Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. Continuing our study through the book of Mark, um, I'm sure a lot of you are like, man, is there really a way that we can take the book of Mark and, and actually go almost the entire year? I'm on part four, and I still haven't even made it out of chapter one yet, so I think we're doing okay. Uh, <laughs> so we are going to see this morning that, that ministry can happen anywhere. And before we go too far in that, I think we have to ask the question, what is ministry and do I have one? You know, is, is ministry something that's only applicable to, to people that have the, the title pastor? Is ministry only applicable to people that, like, work at a church? Is there some specific level of training or certification that we have to have before you, you get a ministry? You know, sure, we expect that a pastor has a ministry, but, but don't each of you have one as well. And while I would say that, that the, the service that, that I participate in on a Sunday morning, the, the service that I participate in for, for Wood Street Chapel is part of my ministry, it's not all of it. In the, the Greek language, that's used in the New Testament, the term ministry always centers on acts of of service to other people. It it sometimes carries maybe even a a more powerful connotation of of servitude or slavery to God, not to you guys. (laughs) So ministry implies a sense of being duty-bound to work under God's authority as his servant. So that means that my ministry isn't just relegated to what I do as a pastor at Wood Street Chapel. My ministry extends to how I function as a father in my household. My ministry extends to how I function as a husband to my wife. My ministry extends to how I interact with the coworkers that I have in my other job as a director of IT. My ministry extends to how I interact with the person that I've never met before at the grocery store. My ministry is my life living as a servant of God. Ministry is not confined to a time. It's not confined to a place or a specific circumstance. Did you know that ministry doesn't like magically get turned on when you walk through those doors? You know, sometimes people treat it that way. Well, I, I have entered the doors of the church. I've leveled up. And, and now my, my ministry switch has been flipped and it's time to do the, the work of the Lord. This church building can burn to the ground and ministry would continue. The, the work of God will not be stopped when these four walls stop existing. When we dismiss, it's, it's not like, well, okay, I don't have to do anything spiritual until next week. 
The work of God will not be contained to 1649 Wood Street. This address has, has very little impact on, on our ministry as the body of Christ. God is on the move. And if we're going to truly call ourselves followers of Christ, we need to join with him wherever he's at. Not just wait for it to show up here. So as we take a look at Jesus this morning, we're going to see that Jesus shows up to a church service. (laughs) He shows up to a church service, and he does work there, and then he goes over to a friend's house, and he continues to do the work like nothing changed. He kept doing church at the friend's house. I mean, the nerve. Doesn't he know that once you stop doing church at church, like, it's football time, or like, go take a nap. Okay, brutal honesty for a minute. When I go home, like normally I, I take maybe just like an hour or two after I get home, after I've had lunch, and I just stop <laughs> after, on a Sunday. Maybe that's a nap. Maybe that's just watching a, a movie or something. But, but I just stop for a minute because I'm kind of tired from some of the things that I've done. And what we see in the example that Jesus lives out here is that the work that happens at church just continues. That's, that's a function of his life. And it's not that there's a switch that gets turned on or off. So starting at verse 21, this is talking about Jesus and his disciples. And it says, And they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all of the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately, he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came, and he took her by the hand, and he lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. And that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So what we have here are two completely different scenarios, two two completely different scenes, settings. And yet in the midst of all of that, Jesus is the same in both of them. The hardest thing to watch and the thing that, I, that I, I try to check myself on as often as I can is that I cannot be a different person here than I am out of here. It, it cannot work that way. If what God has done in me is real, then my normal life outside of the four walls of this church should reflect that. 
And if I have to change who I am to show up to church on a Sunday morning, something is not right. So it was routine for Jesus to go to the synagogue. It was baked into his lifestyle. It was a pattern. And when he had people with him, like his disciples, he said, guess what we're doing? We're all going to go to synagogue together. Mark says that, that Jesus was teaching with authority. So he shows up to the synagogue. The synagogue's kind of like temple, like Jerusalem temple light is kind of a, a way to think of the synagogue. It's where people are coming together, a, a group of, of individuals that are studying the scripture. It says that Jesus was teaching in the synagogue with authority. Now, normally when we think of authority, we think of, of someone who's, who's powerful, someone who's stern, someone who is, dare I say, authoritative. <laughs> and he was, but, but let's pause for just a minute and look at what's the, the word within that word? If we look at the word authority, we, we find a word author. One of the reasons that Jesus was able to speak and teach and preach with authority was that he had a pretty close connection with the author. The author of the events that were being talked about, there there was a, a direct relationship, a direct understanding And so, of course, he was speaking with authority. Up to this point, the only teachers that the people had were scribes. What does a scribe typically do? They copy down. They copy down texts. They transcribe spoken word into writing. The scribes were never the original source. So there's always something missing until one day Jesus shows up and says, guess what? I have the whole story. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So when Jesus comes and he starts sharing this, the religious leaders, and we see it in multiple times, when Jesus shows up to preach, when he preaches and teaches with this authority, all of the religious authorities of the day, lower authorities of the day, Become offended. That's, that's not the way this rabbi ever taught me how it worked. Where does it say that in scripture? That's not how, how we've ever studied this before. When religious people are offended by biblical truth, it's because they are, are valuing something other than God's word. If somebody is offended by what it says in the Bible, and I say maybe they should be, maybe they, they need to look at themselves and figure out what is it in me that, that is reacting to this truth. When it comes to what we do here on a Sunday morning or any other time that we gather together. We're gathering together to hear the words of God. Not 
the words of Matt Murray or anyone else for that matter. If, if it ever becomes a time to gather and hear the words of Matt Murish, you should run away. Maybe that's not the, <laughs> the, the message you want to hear from your pastor, but if you start hearing me say my own truth and, and the things that, that are relevant to me versus the words of God, then this isn't the place. This isn't the place to be. But when, what, what we see here happening in this religious context is as what's being talked about in Scripture, and it still happens in churches today, is that the scribes and the religious leaders, they were, were teaching God's words. But when we would come to a difficult passage, that's not really relevant. And so they, they would pull that page out. And then keep going. Well, that, that's a hard thing to talk about, so, so let's pull that out. Or maybe today, hmm, that, that's not really culturally relevant to us today, so we can pull that particular page out. Until what we start seeing is this watered-down doctrine, watered-down theology, watered-down understanding of who God is. And then in addition to pulling out, they would then layer on top of things that, that never were part of Scripture. You know, if we look at the Ten Commandments, there was a specific commandment about honoring your father and mother. The fifth commandment. And... In that culture and in that time, honoring your father and mother meant that you cared for them, that you cared for them financially, that you supported them. And so what the church of that time started layering on top of scripture was that, well, once your parents die, the way that you continue to care for your elders is that you then allocate those funds that you were using to support your family to the church. Where does it say that in the Bible? <laughs> it doesn't say that in the Bible. And yet, this is the, the type of layering on that was happening. And so here comes Jesus speaking the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Versus writing a commentary about the truth. I mean, imagine after, the serv- after a church service today. You go out and you meet with a bunch of your friends that go to different churches, and you ask them, how, how was church service for you today? And the one's, well, I was really pleased. They, they played my favorite song. And another one is, you know, it was great. There was a really funny sermon, a funny illustration in the sermon that was shared. And then another says, it was great. Right up until the point the demon-possessed guy stood up and started yelling at the pastor. Well, Gosh, that, that doesn't happen at our church very often. Does that happen regularly to you? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. And when you look at these things in Scripture, sometimes it's tempting to say, well, does that really happen? Is, is demon possession really, really something that goes on in the world? Or is this just somebody not understanding what, what is happening in this person's life? Let's think back a couple of weeks to Halloween and the costumes that we saw. 
And, and this isn't going to turn into this big, you know, should we or should we not have a harvest party? Should we or should we not let kids dress up? I mean, let's, let's get above that for just a minute and think of a specific costume of, of a, a devil who just looks ridiculous with horns and a pitchfork and a tail and almost laughable. Satan doesn't really look like that. In fact, the the images that we're seeing portrayed in those costumes, I think, are directly from Satan. Because it accomplishes one thing. It makes us think of the enemy of our souls as a comedic myth that's only based in fairy tales, that's only based in the, the lies that, that exist out there. And instead of a true danger that we need to be on the lookout for. And so what we start seeing when it comes to the, the truth about the devil, the truth about demons, is there's these two extremes that exist. Can I first say God's real? Satan's real, angels are real, and de- demons are real. They, they all exist. And so there's this, these two extreme beliefs that can come from this that says, well, there's no such thing as demons or Satan, which is exactly what he would prefer us all to think. And then the other extreme is the group that, that thinks that there is a demon around every corner that, well, I stubbed my toe and there was a demon. I have a cough and there's a demon. Like, maybe it's not that extreme. So there's this middle ground that has to be found here. And what's interesting is, do you think this is the first time this guy came to church? Doesn't seem like it. I mean, pretty much everybody who's anybody that is a Jew in that region would have showed up to synagogue. Like, that's just the way that society and that culture worked. Why is it that he's reacting this way this time? This guy's been coming to service after service, repeating the words of the scribes that have been spoken, and nothing has bothered him until now. Until Jesus walks into the room, and now he knows. What we see here is a religious gathering devoid of the presence of Jesus. It doesn't even provoke a demon to speak out. That cannot be the case at Wood Street Chapel. That can't be the case for any place that is professing to be a church, a body of believers following Christ. We will not be a church of all dogs go to heaven. We will not be a church that talks about the prosperity gospel, about self-help. We will be a church that recognizes God's holy word inspired by the Holy Spirit made flesh by the Son of God. Jesus was fully man and fully God. When the demon confronts Jesus, he calls out the name that Jesus was given and his address. I mean, that's saying, hey, you're a a real person. You have a birthplace. 
But then in the same breath, he recognizes that there's more, that Jesus, this Jesus is fully man while also being the son of the most high God. The demon knows what the disciples don't. The demon knows what the scribes don't, what the other people in that church service don't, that this Jesus is fully man and fully God. And when Jesus speaks, there's not a negotiation. There's not a bargain that takes place. When Jesus speaks, his direction is done. And now we see people coming from, from all over because the church service just became really interesting. <laughs> Things just got a little weird and then got really interesting. And after the church service is done, Jesus goes home, kicks off his shoes, relaxes in the lazy boy and says, well, Church is done for the week. No. He steps out of the synagogue and, and as he's walking with his disciples, he, he returns to his disciples' home where, where he's going to stay the night. And he recognizes that there's yet another need. When that need was brought to him, it wasn't a, sorry, I can't help out with this because I'm not at church anymore. I mean, are we all kind of hearing how ridiculous that would sound? <laughs> and maybe we just need to pause for a minute and think about, have there been times where we maybe haven't said those words, but our actions have done the exact same thing? Sometimes we get so upset that these extra things show up that weren't on the schedule. I had an agenda. <laughs> I had a set calendar with a task list that was, was very nice and organized and pretty. And I had it like color-coded. And this was how life was supposed to happen. And all of this extra stuff just showed up on my front door that I now have to deal with. And here's the crazy thing. What if that extra stuff is your ministry? What if your list is getting in the way of your ministry being accomplished? That was never the problem for Jesus. That was never a problem. Jesus arrives at the home of his disciples and, and immediately he, and they use the word immediately multiple times, immediately he's told that there is a issue with the mother-in-law of Peter. And what's interesting is just prior to this example, what did Peter do or what did Jesus call James and John away from? They were on the boat with their father saying, hey, leave your family and come away with me. And sometimes when we hear that, it's just like, it doesn't sit right. It's like, well, so I'm supposed to like give up my, my entire family relationship so that I can follow God? 
But what we see here is it's not forsaking the the family. It's a recognition that when I prioritize my relationship with God, when I prioritize Christ as the, the utmost pursuit in my life, everything else falls in line. My relationship with my wife, my relationship with my children benefits when I put Christ first. So following Jesus doesn't mean forgetting your family. And so when Jesus is in the synagogue, he speaks and the demons obey. When Jesus is uh, brought to Peter's mother-in-law, he speaks and the sickness leaves. Many of us have those stories, those examples in our lives where the only explanation for the healing received is Jesus. The doctors don't know. Medical science can't explain it. The only logical explanation is Jesus. And I know that we have some here this morning who say, you know, if Jesus heals, if it's God's will to heal, then why is this sickness still in my life? Why is this sickness still something that exists in the the life of my child and the life of my loved one and my friend, my family member? And we we have talked about this a lot in our our morning Sunday school class. And can I tell you the the answer that is going to just really fulfill all of you? I don't know. I truly don't. But here's what I do know. Some of the greatest moments of testimony and most powerful examples of faith come from following Jesus in the middle of sickness, in the middle of your hardship, in the middle of your trial. It would be so much easier if I didn't, if, if I was just healthy and then I could follow Christ. Totally understand. <laughs> but what we see is that in, when I bring my testimony in the midst of my weakness, pointing to God as my strength. The, God is the one who heals miraculously. Pointing to God in the midst of hardship, recognizing that any suffering I face in this life is temporary in the light of eternity. And then what we see here is after Jesus has healed the the mother-in-law, she gets gets up and she serves. And it's just like, (laughs) sometimes she's just sick. Does she really have to go make dinner now? (laughs) That that seems, come on, Peter. Get up and do something. But what we see here is, is this picture of I don't serve because I have to. 
Right? We, we, let's talk about our ministry again for just a moment. That, that's, that's the whole point that the ministry that I have in my life that, that is happening here at Wood Street, that's happening in my interactions with my coworkers, that's happening with my family, that's not because I have to do it. It's happening because it is a privilege in my life as a result of following Christ. And so my, the, the natural reaction to the grace that flows from the tree of Calvary is that I want to get up and serve. And that's the, the reaction that we see. It's not, man, come on, Peter, get off your butt and help your mother-in-law. No, it's the mother-in-law is so excited about being in a place of relationship with Christ that she wants to serve. And it's not like church just stopped there. Pretty soon we had, and it's probably a good thing that the mother-in-law got up and got healed and kind of started doing things because the entire city came to her front door. We're going to need to make some more soup. Uh, So everybody shows up and the ministry of Christ continues. Because the ministry of Christ isn't, isn't just some point in time. It's, it's not just contained to one building. It's not just contained to one interaction or one relationship. It, it is the, the life that he is living is his ministry. Why didn't, want, why didn't Jesus want the, the demons to talk about who he was? Because ultimately what we see here is the people that were coming to the front door were coming for the gift, not the giver. They, they were after the, the specific need of, I, I just want to be better. But Jesus said, I have so much more for you than that. I have so much more in store for you than that. So the question for us this morning as we prepare to leave, how can you minister to others in the four walls of this building? I'd say almost more importantly, how can you minister to others outside of the four walls of this building? What does your ministry look like? And what's interesting is maybe you haven't asked yourself that question. Maybe, maybe others haven't asked that question of you. And yet, I think if you pause for a moment and consider, you probably already have a ministry. You are probably already having those interactions with the people outside of this building or within this building, demonstrating what it means to be a follower of God, inviting others to come along with you. My prayer for you this morning is that that would be strengthened, that that would be multiplied, that you would be uh, encouraged in that. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would, would bring life to the ministry opportunities that exist for the people of Wood Street Chapel. God, that you would, would bring energy into situations where maybe there, is, there are people that are tired God, that you would bring um, results, that you would allow us to see the fruit of the labor. And God, if there are people here this morning that, that maybe don't know what their ministry uh, is in their life or, or within the body of Wood Street, God, help us to encourage that within one another. 
help each of us to be mindful of those opportunities that exist. Lord, as we go from this place today, help us to uh, focus on you and to recognize that this isn't the, the time to flip the switch of saying, okay, church is done for the week and onto the, the, the rest of my life and, until we come back again. No, this is who I am. And this is who I will continue to be. Come what may. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 